welcome to the One Haas Podcast. I'm Chris Kim. Today, we have Yogesh Pingle, Berkeley Haas EWMBA and Corporate Development Manager at Intel. Yogesh is an engineer turned marketer turned corporate development manager and partners with business leaders and their teams to define and execute strategic growth initiatives at Intel. Yogesh, welcome and great to have you on the show. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Yeah, Yogesh, I'm super excited to have you on the show today. We're classmates and we we started the program together pretty much from the beginning. I'd love to, if you would just start with kind of your story, where did you grow up and was corporate development or corp dev always in the plan when you were a kid? So no, <laughs> corporate development wasn't always part of the plan. It's a combination of things that have led me here. So to begin with, I'm originally from India. I was born in uh, the city of Bhopal. And Bhopal is, if you look at the map, right at the center of the country. It's the capital of the state of Madhya Pradesh, which literally translates to the central state. And I am a part of a, a huge family uh, in India. My parents, they had two kids. <laughs> I'm the younger one. I have an elder sister. And there is a larger family, though, still really close together. Most of them are back in India. So my dad's side, we have about, he had about nine siblings, including him. Oh, wow. on, my mom's, on my mom's side. Yeah, huge. On my mom's side, five siblings, including her, and she's close to the youngest. Overall, I have about 29 first cousins. <laughs> oh my goodness, that wow. Group. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So growing up, I grew up in a really tight-knit family environment. Both of my parents were, had professional careers. My dad, he's a banker, and my mom, she is a professor. She basically had a PhD in organic chemistry and then pursued academia as a career. And really, I have grown up with very strong values of hard work, service, and working to sort of earn, earn a living and thrive in the society. One of the things that I distinctly remember growing up, and it's a very big part of, of my growing up and my identity, is my parents' dad being in the bank, he used to travel a lot. And there was a part of time where my parents both had the flexibility in their work to travel together. But once my sister and I came along, they took a conscious decision of having a stable base. And so my mom, she basically, both of them at that time were stationed in Bhopal for their respective jobs. And then my, they decided that once my dad had had a transfer and he had to travel outside of town, they decided that my mom would basically be stationed in Bhopal so that both me and my um, sister could have stable schooling and, and didn't have to move around a lot. So <laughs> so in India, right, uh, the, the schooling system is uh, you have two years of kindergarten. And then 12 years of schooling up to from grade one to grade 12, that's high school. And so I went all of the 14 years, two plus 12, to just one school. So that's... Oh, that's, really? You know, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's super <laughs> Yeah, 14 years, 14 years to the same school. I went to Campion School in Bhopal, which is one of the good schools in the city and the state at that time. And I have a lot of friends from those times who, just like me, had parents who were both working and very similar stories but who went to the same school for all of the 14 years. Oh, wow. And I have some <laughs> really deep-rooted, long-term friendships with a lot of those um, friends. That's awesome, you guys. Yeah, you know, we talk a, a lot about one of the pivotal points for folks is when they have to leave high school or leave secondary school and they go to college. And for you, you ended up coming to the States later for grad school and the, of course, the business school, but you stayed in, my understanding is you stayed in India for your undergrad. Can you explain what that experience is like? And what was it like not just being a student, but also having that university life as a young person? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. When kids are in high school in India, and before that, getting into college in India is extremely competitive. Uh, there are essentially competitive entrance exams that are there for every field of study. So in my case, I wanted to be an engineer and essentially some of the main entrance exams at that time were JE, the joint entrance exam was the entrance exam for the IITs, the AIEEE, All India Engineering Entrance Exam that was for all the NITs, which are National Institute of Technologies. And then there were, uh, you know, other engineering entrance exams. And similarly, if you wanted to pursue medicine or any other field, you would have similar exams. So a lot of time in high school, my friends and I spent preparing for these exams. And I'm sure it's similar here where people prepare for SATs. So it was, uh, you know, two very intense years of high school preparing for these entrance exams. I actually got a decent rank in, in AIEEE. And while choosing a college, I had a choice of different um, NIT to go to and um, in terms of majors I really wanted to be a mechanical engineer at that point and my rank was such that I could get mechanical engineering in NIT Bhopal which was at that time one of the fairly ranked mechanical engineering programs and I essentially made that choice <laughs> that meant that I had to stay at home for four years of engineering which wasn't my first choice but again I had to I, I decided to pick my college and my major ahead of that decision of going and living by myself in a different city so it was that time of my life was like fairly transformational there's a stark difference between college life and life in high school in India, just like it would be anywhere else. And for me, it was fairly like entrepreneurial. The advantage of going to a national institute was that there were kids from all over the country who came there. And so I got, you know, it was a great lesson in, in sort of national integration. India, as you might be familiar, has a lot of cultures. And I'd like to say, actually, to all of my friends here that in India, every 200 kilometers, the culture changes, the way people dress changes, the food changes, and many times um, language changes as well. And being in, in the institute that I was in, I was lucky enough to sort of experience the different parts of the country all in, in one place. And so um, it was very formative. It was very transformational. The alumni relation was very deep-rooted. Like we knew seniors who had graduated almost like 20 years ago oh, from wow. the program. And mm -hmm. even today, when I meet some of my undergrad friends, we sort of share the same passion for the Institute. In that sense, there was just a lot of deep-rooted camaraderie amongst, amongst everybody because it was a part of the culture of the Institute. And so again, I was lucky enough to have a lot of great friends who are all doing great in their life right now. In your case, you graduated, you were successful, you went straight, my understanding is you went straight into work and worked at Schneider for Schneider Electric for a couple of years and then decided to come to the States for grad school. Can you explain, you know, what was that experience like for you, you know, going from full-time student to being a working professional? And then how did you decide that you wanted to come to the U.S. for more school? Yeah, so that's an interesting story. In our undergrad, and it was generally the case in India back then, I'm not sure how it is now. But there would be what's called campus selections. And so you would have these companies coming to campus for recruitment. And I was recruited into Schneider through that channel. And I was, you know, Schneider at that time was fairly new in the transmission and distribution, power transmission and distribution business in India. And they were that year trying to 
a scale business and they wanted to hire a huge pool of uh, RCGs, International Research College grads, to take up entry-level roles or in some cases based on uh, the individual's qualification, some managerial positions. And then it was a pool of 140 people from different place colleges in India that were selected. And then that pool was placed into different business businesses uh, of Schneider. And if you look at the value chain of power transmission and distribution, there is a manufacturing side where you manufacture equipment like transformers, switch gears. And then there is a you know service side where you basically build and manage substations, electrical substations. And so I was placed in one of the medium voltage transformer facilities in, in Gujarat after my initial orientation. I was uh, part of the leadership development program within the uh, medium voltage transformer factory. And the whole idea was that I would be essentially for the first six months trained across different functions. So I started with design, then spent a lot of time on manufacturing, being an associate plant manager. Then I spent some time in procurement. I did quality and reliability work. The only function I didn't do at that time was finance because that was a focused function and they were looking for dedicated financial knowledge, which engineering graduates didn't have. And then after all of this, based on my performance, my personality, the way I was conducting myself and my, you know, past experiences, I was sort of handpicked by the GM of the plant to be a part of the two-person planning team. So basically, my manager and I, we did the whole production and supply planning for the whole manufacturing facility. And the job was to was to not only do production planning for which I, you know, basically did everyday shop floor meetings and essentially created production roadmaps, but also do like sales and financial planning. And it was basically sort of a ringside view of looking at the GM of our plant and see how he operated because my manager directly worked for him. And essentially, I got a lot of opportunity to see him from close quarters and see how he interacted. Now, he was an engineer by training, and but again, he also had a business degree. And what I what I realized from that was that he was in a position to make the maximum impact. When I was working for design or for production or the manufacturing side of the plant, there were, you know, directors and VPs in that side of the business as well. What I realized was that their sphere of influence was fairly limited. And to create maximum impact, you have to essentially be on the business side of things. And when I tried to extrapolate this, I saw that the head of finance or the head of procurement had a lot more influence in the day-to-day running of the show. And ultimately, the GM of the plant was the most pivotal in in direction setting and also in, in terms of what we achieved as a business. And so it was sort of what stoked in me the desire to be a business leader and, uh, you know, realize that perhaps if impact is what I'm driven by, then having a business education is also having business knowledge is something that's critical to creating impact. Sounds like you knew that eventually you'd be at business school. and But then how did you decide that you want to go to grad school specifically? And then how did you land at UT Dallas? Yeah, this is back in 2010 when I realized that I really want to be on the business side of things to create impact. And business school is something that I certainly wanted to pursue at some point in life. But when I looked at the different options that I had around me, there were the Indian Institutes of Management that I could have gone to. They are IAMs, as they're popularly known. They're great institutes. I really wanted to go there. They had an engineering hand. They had a management entrance exam called CAT. That's called Combined Admissions Test. 
And at that time, there was a requirement of a certain amount of work experience as well as it was a holistic background in terms of how many, what sort of grade that you had gotten in high school and in at the end of your middle school. And all of that combined for me to get into the IIMs, it would have taken uh, me a long time. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. And you know, at the same time, I there's something that is also a part of me since my childhood, like both of my parents, they have always loved to travel a lot and explore a lot. And from childhood on, I we as a family traveled to all parts of the country and, uh, you know, even abroad. And a part of me really is excited by exploring different parts of the world, different cultures, different cuisines. And um, at that time, while I was a planning manager and a business function, I was still in touch with my mechanical engineering basics. And I was still technical enough to still like it. I thought perhaps the route up to creating impact and being on the business side of things doesn't have to wait for five, you know, wait five years for me to get the MBA. And at that time, applying to U.S. universities for a master's in engineering sounded a, a lot more enticing and uh, attractive. And I essentially gave my GRE and applied to certain schools. Um, UT Dallas was one of them. And I got a few admits, but at UT Dallas, I was essentially getting scholarship and a job at the GSI right off the bat. And I was getting a chance to work with Professor Hong Bing Lu, who was doing great work at that time in, in solid mechanics. And I was going to get a chance to sort of work with him. And I essentially took it because not only would I get to come and live in the US, get to learn more about mechanical engineering, but also work with a great prof. So I came over in 2011. It's been 11 years now. I recently had the 11th year anniversary on August uh -oh. 14th. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. So Dallas was an amazing experience. I think some of the other admits that I had were from USC and a bunch of other places. But I think Dallas was everything that I was looking for in a US city. And because Dallas is a very cosmopolitan place. I haven't really heard this sentiment a lot from other people, but that's how I experienced it. There are people from all over the world in Dallas. And for someone who was new in the country, it was essentially perfect sort of introduction to the American culture and the American way of life. So it was a large city, multicultural, and essentially had all the opportunities for me to grow and thrive. And yeah. Uh, and at the same time, the other thing that my grad school experience, I really cherish was the fact that I was a GSI throughout the two years. But there was a point in time where my professor had gone for a conference for about two weeks. And because I was working with him throughout, we had developed, he had certain uh, level of confidence in me that he allowed me to teach the class for two weeks. And that was like three classes Per week. So I had the unique opportunity to teach six classes while he was away. And the whole experience of planning my lectures and executing them, answering queries on the like some of the conceptual uh, topics on the fly. Yeah, all of that was, <laughs> was a unique experience that I hadn't done before. And a part of me really enjoyed it because like, my mom, she's a professor and uh, academia is a core uh, part of her family and was really something that was around me while I was growing up. thought I would share that because that was really unique about my journey there and something I cherish deeply. That's awesome, you guys. Yeah, you were successful in your grad program and graduated and then you went pretty much straight to Intel, if I'm 
remembering correctly. You've been there ever since, but you've had a really awesome journey just in terms of different things that you've been able to do at Intel and really just your career progression. Can you share a bit? What was that experience like leaving school again now for the second time? And then I, I think you also moved right to Arizona for your new job. What was that like going through a ton of transition and then also being in a really iconic firm like Intel? Yeah, absolutely. So again, yeah, grad school ended a little too early for me. I don't, uh, I'm not sure if I was prepared to go back into workforce in two years time. At the same time, I was super excited about Intel. It's actually a very interesting story. You know, it was a very early lesson in networking for me. I hadn't really directly applied to the Intel position, but one of my uh, undergrad seniors, he used to work for TI at that point. Yeah. And Texas Instruments in Dallas. And he had my resume and Texas Instruments had a lot of mechanical engineering positions for graduate students. And I was actually interested in a few of them. None of them worked out, but he had my resume and he had passed it on to a colleague of his who was on the design side in the mechanical engineering group. She was basically a mechanical design manager. Now, she didn't have an opening in her org. But at that time, she had a friend at Intel who became my future manager who was looking for candidates and she happened to have the resume and she passed it along. And my, my resume was basically liked and I got an interview invite. <laughs> Thankfully, I was able to crack it and it was a fantastic role. It was basically in Intel's packaging organization. And packaging is basically a core part of microprocessor development at Intel. And so I joined what's called uh, Assembly and Test Technology uh, Group at Intel or Assembly and Test Technology Development Group at Intel, ATTD. And it's the packaging technology development organization. And my job was essentially packaging R&D engineer. It was a core technical role where I, I was basically working on packaging technologies for both short and long term product families. So I did that for about four years after joining. How did you decide to change or move on? Because you already had several years being successful in that role, but you ended up eventually going to design and then product marketing before you ended up in corporate development and Intel. You know, what was that like and what were you thinking throughout those processes? Yeah, so that's a great question. Intel actually is a, is a very technical company. And at the same time, a lot of stuff that we study in business school has been founded at Intel. So Intel has a really strong business side as well. And what I, as I got better at my job, what I realized was, you know, and, and as I got more exposure to the broader organization, I, I realized that the engineering life at Intel, it was great, first of all, because you were at the cutting edge of science and what you were doing was real R&D. But at the same time, it was a very niche science. And so the, because of that, the very nature of the engineering organizations were, was fairly siloed. So the only, if you continued on the engineering path, then the only way to go is deeper in the silo. And while that is great for someone who is passionate about that, because you can, the technical path can take you to being a principal engineer or a fellow at Intel, or perhaps an engineering manager and later a director or beyond. It had fairly limited sort of impact when you think about the broader business of Intel. While technology is the cornerstone, business still drives the technology is what I learned. And going back to the experience at Schneider, I sort of wanted to be in positions where I could create impact. And it became clear with my experience in engineering that I would rather be on the business side of things. As I also like throughout 
working on different projects, as I got a little more senior in the engineering role, I realized that I really loved every conversation that I was having with the folks in marketing or the folks in strategic planning you know, who are working with people uh, like me in technology development. And so it was a validation of what I really thought of something of a North Star, even before I, I came to the US. Uh, and so I, I had at that point made up my mind to move to the business side of things. Now, you know, I have always been someone who likes to mitigate risk, right? Something I, I didn't touch upon earlier, like about my family. We while my both of my parents were working and we were both we were pretty well to do we came from an upper middle class family we we're obviously not <laughs> super rich but we had all the resources that we needed but all of those resources came because my parents worked hard their entire life and did really well in their careers and so something that has always been a part of my philosophy is to is to mitigate risk in such a way that can always I can the, the next step that I take should always be something that doesn't close too many doors. And so I've always had plans. This is back in 2015 where I was already three years into my role in engineering and I had to think about a plan A, B and C. And so my plan A since 2010 was I realized this in 2015 was always to do the MBA. I was like, if I have to move on the business side, I need business education. When I thought of my overall skill set and I realized that I probably need, I really seek formal business education because like I said, I came from parents who were both working in careers that we didn't really necessarily have a business sort of attitude to life while growing up. So I felt that I lacked some of those business building skills and instincts. And, you know, so to get those, I was fairly certain that a business school has to happen in my life because I'm fairly driven by impact. And whether I wanted to be a corporate leader and being in decision-making positions or whether I wanted to create an enterprise of my own, I needed those sort of business building skills. So to get both a practical training mm. as well as an academic foundation on business, I wanted to go to business school. So that's, that was plan A. And plan B was like within Intel, right? Within Intel, there were like any large corporation, there are many opportunities. And if you plan it, you can perhaps go on the business side within the organization itself and in many cases without having a formal business degree. So that was my plan B. And at the same time, there was a plan C as well. <laughs> that was not career related. The plan C was to move to the Bay Area because I was about to get married in 2017. At the end of my wife and I we were talking about it back in, in the 2016 time frame. And plan C was to sort of move to the Bay Area because we were in a long distance relationship for a while. She was in New York. I was in Phoenix, so it was <laughs> sort of hard for us to be in one place even on weekends because for anyone who has been in Phoenix knows that going to New York is, that commute is, is really bad. <laughs> and so doing that for a weekend is really tough. So we wanted to be in one place and Bay Area was it for us. And so plan C was for me to get to the Bay Area. And yeah, all of that happened actually. Plan A, B and C all came through for me. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I didn't know all the background. So it goes without saying, you were going to end up in the MBA program. How did you decide on Haas? Was it because it, and did you think about applying other places when you were actually going through the application process? Yeah, for me, I only wanted to go to the top 10 programs. Haas was one of them. Mm -hmm. And so Haas was certainly always up on my list. But at, up until 2016, I actually wanted to pursue a full-time program. 
Oh, interesting. And uh, that was in the plan. But then life happened and my wife and I, we decided to get married earlier than we thought. And then it didn't make sense for me to sort of do a full-time MBA right at that time. Uh, I was also cognizant of the sort of opportunity cost of doing it slightly later in my life, a full-time program. So... If I had to pursue the full-time program in 2019, while being married, I thought doing a part-time program gives me not only the flexibility to be a family man, but at the same time also uh, allows me to keep growing professionally while I pursue my MBA. It wasn't like a singular decision. There was I had motivation to think like this. I had a colleague at that time in my engineering team in Phoenix, and he had kind of a similar career journey. And he, at that time, was pursuing the evening and weekend MBA program at Haas. So he's a Hasi <laughs> as well. And he was at that time like commuting to commuting to Berkeley from Phoenix and taking weekend classes and whatnot. And like after his score, he sort of moved to, to the Bay Area. But from him, I actually got the motivation to learn more about the evening and weekend program. And the more I explored it, the more I realized how amazing the evening and weekend MBA program is. And so part of pursuing the plan C first, which was moving to the Bay Area, was also because I wanted to be closer to the Haas community and target that evening and weekend MBA program. So I had that always as the long-term goal when I moved to the Bay Area that in, and I moved in 2017, that I basically want to go to Haas. So essentially, you know, get to talk to more people who are in the Haas community, go to more events that are organized by the program office. And, uh, you know, essentially, in general, be in a position where I can execute my, my goal of applying to Berkeley. Thankfully for me, I was able to move here. And then I was in 2018 timeframe, I was actually convinced that Haas was the program. And or even before that, doing a part time MBA was was actually the right thing for me. So that leaves essentially two programs out of top 10 where you can do that. It's either Haas or Booth in Chicago. That time, Haas was not only the number one program, it was, in my opinion, a better program. And so it was a no-brainer. So I was locked and loaded on my way uh, to buy GMAT books and <laughs> preparing for my Haas application. I mentioned at the beginning, you and I were classmates at Haas, and we both experienced Haas during the pandemic. And we also both had <laughs> children during the pandemic. And so I know for me, it was super busy during the, that time of life. And what was that like for you? And how did you balance your working? You have a family, you know, you're doing the coursework, and then you're also kind of thinking about your future career when you're in the MBA program. How did you balance it all? Yeah. So interesting story. My wife and I, we learned that she was pregnant sort of one week <laughs> into the program from the very beginning itself. My house journey was always, I had always balance how much time I was giving to the program and how much time I was giving to my wife. And then once my kid was born at that time, it was the beginning of the pandemic. So it was fairly challenging for us because it was scary to have a newborn. At that time, there were no yeah. vaccines. Yeah. And they're fairly nervous about interacting with people because of the young one. The whole pandemic sort of also was a blessing in disguise for me. I hate to say it this way, but there are young parents, like new parents, especially fathers who don't have the same kind of, who, who can't get the same time off from work. And so they get a very limited sort of bonding time with their children. And so for me, because we were all working from home, 
I got to spend a lot of time with my kid and I think that was a, a sort of a silver lining for me in, in that time. And the same goes to Haas as well. Commute was a huge part of my daily routine while coming to Haas. I spent living in the South Bay. I spent about two, two and a half hours every day in commute. I had to leave super early for work, get to the shuttle pickup part and then, you know, spend an hour and a half in the shuttle every day before class. So all of that time was now saved and I had available as and when my family needed. So I was like all of us, I wanted to be on campus, be with my classmates and, you know, spend time as much as I could in the program on campus. But the ability to be at home while my kid was young and while my wife needed me the most was actually fantastic. Even after all that, even without commuting, having a child, having a full-time job and working through an MBA which is as rigorous as uh, the Haas evening and weekend program is a decent challenge as I look back, right? And when we are doing it, we don't really realize it. But now I sort of, when I reflect on it, I realize that I sort of, it was fairly transformative for me. And a couple of things that I did okay and helped me. And, you know, my main takeaways from this experience is there's this art of compartmentalization where you know, which I feel that I'm still getting good at it. You know, essentially compartmentalizing your headspace and trying to keep things separate. And that really, so when you're doing schoolwork, you really do deep work and, and get things done so that that doesn't spill over onto the work compartment or onto the family compartment. So that's something that I think I um, got good at over time and I'm still working on it. The other thing is that I, um, there's a saying that, yeah, there was a mantra that was given to me by my very first manager at Schneider, which was never leave a file on the table. So he was being metaphorical and trying to tell me to never leave a key task unattended. So if you have something that really needs to happen, just do it right there and then. And if you procrastinate it, then it's essentially going to uh, spill into other areas of life and consume your time when you would rather be doing something else. And something that I have picked up along this journey is also to not procrastinate on some of the key tasks. Yeah, so just focus on the essentials, whether it is homework or your actual job. And if you just do the main important tasks and ensure that they're done well, then that'll keep you moving forward. So anybody who is in the evening and weekend program and in a similar situation like ours, Chris, I think it's really important to sort of compartmentalize things and making sure that you're not procrastinating and the absolute essential tasks are being taken care of so that you're not distracted when you're with family or when you're at work. Yeah, I guess that's awesome. We're coming towards the end of the podcast, but one of the things I'm super excited to talk to you about is your most recent move post-graduation, but you and I are both on the other side, thankfully. Uh, so we made it. Congrats. But you also started a new job in corporate development, and I know, or a newer job in corporate development. And I would love to just hear what motivated you to make that move, even after having so many successful years at Intel. And what was that process like for you going from full-time working and then MBA student and then making the pivot into corporate development? So for me, through the program, from an academic standpoint, I really liked strategy, finance and marketing courses. And you know, at the same time, entrepreneurship also remains a life dream. I was not able to pursue, I'm not able to pursue it at this point for a combination of reasons. One of them being my visa status. I'm currently an immigrant in the country on an H-1B visa. And so that's something that is plan B for me. 
But at the same time, I wanted to pursue an opportunity which was which kept me closer to the entrepreneurship sort of ecosystem. And at the same time, allows me to be in a function that is fairly strategic and has allows me to use the some of the skills in finance strategy and marketing that I learned in the MBA program. From all of those perspectives, I found corporate development to be a really like a sweet spot because, uh, you know, not only are you working on strategizing uh, some of the transactions, answering the why in terms of why you need to carry out a certain transaction, but at the same time also, you know, pursuing valuations, evaluating opportunities and so on. And while doing that, you are constantly interacting with PCs and other investors who are essentially associated with the, or startup founders who are associated with the asset that your company is interested in. Corporate development was certainly something that that sounded like a great uh, balance of things that I liked and, uh, you know, at the same time would also keep me fairly focused on my long-term goal. So, you know, at the same time, thankfully, an opportunity came along in the the corporate strategy office within Intel for the CorpDev role. And, you know, thankfully, I was able to grab the opportunity. And yeah, I'm really excited. It's It's been four months and it's been a great learning journey so far. Yeah, you guess that's that's awesome to hear. We have a tradition on the podcast, you guess, before we close, we typically ask guests to give some words of wisdom, maybe some hot words of wisdom. So if you'd be up for it, I'd love to just ask a couple of questions and we'd love to get your words of wisdom that you could share out with the community. Great. Let's do it. Yeah. First question, Yogesh, could you uh, share some words of wisdom for people who might be listening and are thinking about going into corporate development or being a corporate development manager in their company? I think a big part of corporate development is still corporate role. And uh, while it's in most companies, it's fairly focused in terms of the team structure. And in general, there is a there's a lot of focus and visibility. So I think one thing that anybody who is trying to pursue the CopDev role needs to keep in mind is that these roles are generally reserved for people who have experience in either investment banking or consulting. So a lot of my colleagues right now are ex-bankers or consultants or who have had experience in some form of investment management. And so for anybody who doesn't come from these backgrounds like myself, I think the ability to sort of network and find your way, the ability to sort of get a foot in the door is sort of crucial. And so networking is something that is a key skill that anybody who wants to pursue this without having the banking or consulting background should have, right? At the same time, you know, it's also important to be a little, not be bashful, be willing to put yourself out there, have your story straight and have the confidence to sort of, confidence and conviction to sort of tell it. Because ultimately, you know, as a copter manager, you would be pitching a lot about rationales, business cases, and recommendations to you know senior executives who would know about their business a lot better than you would. And the initial part uh, before getting the job, if you can have the same kind of conviction in telling your story, that'll go a long way in making people believe in you. My final advice would be just to network, be confident uh, in telling your story, and just, yeah, just do it. Yeah. And Yagesh, one last question before we close. What are some words of wisdom that you would give to your future self? The one thing that really learned during the, the MBA program is, is that all experiences add up, whether it's case competition or 
whether it's leadership position in a student club or the student government, or even whether it's like presenting in front of your class on behalf of your project team, all of those experiences add up. And um, there are lots of learnings and takeaways and things that sort of form your overall ability. And one thing that I, you know, word of wisdom that I certainly want to give myself is continue the hustle and not settle. Regardless of what I end up doing in my life, I think there is this constant zeal of learning that I should never let go of. And my takeaway from or my favorite leadership principle from Haas principles is student always. So, you know. Just keep hustling and keep learning. Yogesh, it's been great to have you on the show today. I'm super excited for you, especially as you're on this new journey. And, you know, I just hear from the podcast, we want to wish you all the best in the future in everything that you're doing. And of course, go Bears. Go Bears. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the One Haas Podcast. If you enjoyed our show today, please remember to hit that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast player. We'd also really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for more content, please check out our website at haas.fm. That's spelled H-A-A-S dot F-M. There you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and check out some of our other Berkeley Haas podcasts. And until next time, go Bears. <laughs>